Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. I'm Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me. That's a little send down the rain is the name of that intro right there. Again, I'll tell you about it sometime. You can actually find it on... uh, uh, Spotify and things like that. You can stream it. Uh, just go look for a group named Victory Park. Victory Park. You'll find a couple of things, but Victory Park and uh, the project's called uh, Without New Words. Without New Words. And that is Send Down the Rain. And actually, the uh, piano music at the end of the podcast time is also Send Down the Rain, but a totally unplugged instrumental reprise of the same. Okay. A little different type of thing. But there you go. That's more than you wanted to know about the intro song, isn't it? So glad you've joined with me. I tell you what, let's jump over into Galatians where we've been examining in the fourth chapter. And we saw the last time, beginning with verse 7, that it said this, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amazing, amazing understanding of verse, uh, revelation that the Lord has given us. It's one of these kind of things that you read it, you go, okay, I, I hear what's being said, that I understand that. And then the more you meditate upon it, the more you reflect upon it, the more you realize that we really don't know the depths of what's being said right there. But Paul gives us a little more insight with the verses that follow. It also sort of starts to tie everything together as to what had been going on in these churches. You remember, if you've been with us from the beginning, that Paul jumped right in to this letter. He has really yet to say anything, you know, real kind and real loving to him other than, hey, grace and peace to y'all. He does that at the end of the letter, <laughs> but he hasn't done anything yet. And so he's been really intense because there's problems. And we've seen hints at it, and we've seen more than hints. He's defining what a lot of it is. You know, they're going after a different gospel. They're going after, the, you know, something that's happening. But we see even more in these next two or three verses here. So verse 7 again said this, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Verse 8, However, oh man, anytime you say that word however, you go, uh-oh. You know, however, at that time, well, what time? Well, the next phrase tells us, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. And so he's been talking uh, how some of them had been enslaved to the law and been under the law. They were wanting to go back to it. Now he's talking uh, particularly, I think, to the Gentiles who were not under the law. They weren't Jewish. He said, but you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. He's speaking about their pagan gods. He's speaking about their pagan practices. The next verse gives us a great phrase of what he's talking about. Verse 9 says this, but now that you have come to know God. So what's their status? They have come to know God or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Well, that's a loaded verse, isn't it? Let's just back up and look what it says. He says, but now, since you have come to know God, (coughs) so that's a good thing, okay? They have come to know God. 
But then that next little phrase, or rather to be known by God, and you know, our minds sort of go, well, I thought God knows everything all the time. What does it mean rather to be known by God? And the way that we use that within our English language, it nearly sounds like that God didn't know about them. Well, of course God knew about them. God knows everything about all of us, and he's known it from the foundations of the earth before he spoke anything into existence. What this is speaking of is the totality of the relationship that you have that when both parties are uh, reciprocal. And so before God knew everything about us, okay, he totally knows all about us. But now that we've come to know him, there's a knowledge that goes both ways now. We know him, he knows us, and, and we relate to one another. He says, now that you have this, how is it that you turn back to the weak and worthless elemental things? And then you desire to be slaved, uh, enslaved to them again. Well, what are the weak, worthless, elemental things? Well, there's any number of things it could be. The next verse actually will clarify it for us, what he's speaking of here. But uh, even outside of what we're going to see next, I think there's things that we get tempted to go back into. Okay, we get tempted to go back to the traditions of men. We get tempted to place our faith and trust on what we think we can control, what we think we can understand, uh, power. Uh, resources, financial resources, money, things like that. We wind up going back to the weak and the worthless and the elemental things. But listen to what he's talking about here. In verse 10, he says, You observe days and months and seasons and years. So, yes, he's speaking to the Gentiles, but he's also speaking to the Jews. Both of them did the same thing. The Lord God gave his people uh, days. He gave them weeks. He gave them months. He gave them years. You see it in the beginning of the Genesis that he gave the sun, moon, and stars for time, okay, to where we could determine seasons, where we could determine things. We have these things. He gave the Jewish people uh, his feast, the feast of the Lord. He gave certain celebration times. The pagans had practices where they celebrated things over days, months, and seasons, and years. But he calls these elemental things. He said these are just things, as we'll see later on, what the purpose of the law was, that it was a tutor to lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. These things right here basically just make us aware that there's something far grander than us, okay? He said, why are you wanting to be enslaved to these things? He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. And then verse 11, the last verse we're going to look at today. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. Well, that's a curious phrase, isn't it? And, and Paul says something like this a couple of times, maybe three times. I don't remember exactly how many times in this letter. He will refer to something like this. It's not that he had the fear of man, okay? He wasn't fearful in the fear of man because he's very bold about that. Also, for those that were truly saved, I don't think, I know he didn't. He did not fear that they were not saved, okay? He didn't fear that in any form or fashion. He did fear them, worry about them being drawn away and going after things they shouldn't have gone after. But then there are people that would profess and say, oh, yeah, I believe, I believe. And Paul's saying, hey, I labored over you in vain because your belief was not unto salvation. It was not unto true righteousness. And you say, well, how can we know whether it's what we, the decision we've made and what we've said is unto true righteousness? Uh, Paul, in some of his other writings, gives us some real truths about that. And the real way that you know you're truly saved 
is that you press on to the end. You press on in faith to the end. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect in every way. You know, it tells us in the uh, Old Testament that the righteous man stumbles seven times and gets up. In other words, you stumble, you get up. You stumble, you get up. What he says is that if you're truly righteous, you will press on to the end, and the fact that you pressed on the end is evidence that you were truly saved. Here he's saying those that go back to these elemental things that reject what they profess right here, I fear if they do that, then it's going to be revealed that their faith was a vain faith. It wasn't a true faith. It wasn't a faith unto salvation. And that grieved his heart, you know, not the paralyzing anxiety and fear that we often associate with things, but he so wanted everyone to be saved. I tell you, I wish our heart was like that. It will never be like that in the flesh, but it, be, it will be like that in the power of the Spirit. So seek the Lord and ask the Lord to do that. Set aside those things which uh, so encumber us and trip us up and walk in the power of the Spirit and watch what He does. I'm Dale. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.